This is Voices from the Past, the Plymouth Plantation podcast. I'm your host, Hilary Goodnow. In 2015, the National Museum of American History in Washington, D.C. hosted a symposium led by Boston University Professor of Religion Stephen Prothrow to bring together leading scholars and collaboratively explore three major themes that characterize the role of religion in the formation and early development of the United States. The role of religious freedom as an ideology, the growth and impact of religious form on American society and culture, and the diversity of religious experience and tradition across the American colonial experience. The ultimate goal of this symposium was to plan a new exhibit, Religion in Early America, scheduled to open at the museum's West Wing in summer 2017. But it also spawned a new multifaceted museum-wide Religion in America initiative, which launches this November under the leadership of Dr. Peter Manso, the Lilly Endowment Curator of American Religious History, and we are delighted to welcome him to our podcast. Thank you. It's great to be here. So the National Museum of American History opened in 1964. So what inspired the museum to begin a deep exploration of the American religious experience now after over 50 years? Well, in some ways, it's a renewal of an interest that was really there at the beginning of the Smithsonian. So long before this individual museum opened, uh, when there was this the, the Smithsonian National Museum at the end of the 19th century, there was an interest in religion as something to consider both, both within American culture and in cultures around the world. And so it's, it's beginning or building upon the work done by those very early curators of the Smithsonian that we're now renewing our exploration of religion in early America. And we're doing it now because it's really time. It's, it's time to pay more attention to religion as, as, a, um, as an essential element of every, every, every period of American history from the colonial period until today. And the exhibit that is going to be the flagship of this initiative focuses on the early period. Uh, why that particular moment? Well, it all begins there. The question of religion's role in American culture begins with what it was at the very beginning, at the very earliest intersection of European cultures and Native American cultures. So we wanted to begin there in the, in the moment of first interaction in the 17th century and continue to tell that story roughly from the 1660s until 1840 and tracing the trajectories of the developments of various ideas of religious freedom, um, the explosion of different religious denominations through that period, and ultimately the diversity of the great uh, flowering of so many different religious expressions in America during that time. So this exhibit is going to go up through 1840. Um, is, are there plans to expand or produce other exhibits that will look at the rest of the 19th century and the 20th century, I would imagine that the turn of the 20th century with the rise in immigration would be an interesting place to further your exploration. The plan for the religion initiative, which, which includes not only this exhibit, which will run for a year, uh, is really to include religion in, or include the consideration of religion in, in many different aspects of American 
American culture and history. So it won't be only to create exhibits specifically looking at religion. So at the moment, we don't have a plan to continue this chronologically. We, we won't next be looking at religion in the Civil War and then religion in the 20th century. Instead, we'll be looking at different thematic ways of approaching the subject and trying to find ways to talk about religion that might appeal to those who even may not think they're necessarily interested in American religious history. So to try to, to approach the topic uh, with as uh, a broad a view as possible is really the, the plan going forward. Can you walk us through the curatorial process with a project like this, with all of these pretty big ideas, really big themes going on, um, and certainly, as you've already said, a lot of diversity in the American religious experience. Where do you start in the curatorial process? Well, we began just thinking about how to represent uh, America as it was in, in the early period, and, and that led us to think of this story as being a regional story. Uh, to break up our exhibit space into three sections, one for New England, one for the Mid-Atlantic, and one for the South, and to try to find within each of those regions uh, objects uh, that would uh, illustrate to viewers the, the role of religion in Americans' lives, uh, which is to say not only the role of specifically religious items, but the ways in which religion uh, touched on many different aspects of American life. So, for example, while in our New England case we do have uh, significant liturgical items from early in American history, such as John Winthrop's communion cup, which he gave to First Church in Boston uh, in the 17th century, right next to it we also have a compass used by Roger Williams when he was exiled from Massachusetts and went on to find, found the Providence colony. So, on the face of that, those two objects, one of them seems religious and one of them seems Le much less so, and yet they are both essential parts of the story of religion in early America. We wanted to show the ways in which that religion isn't just confined to churches or temples, that it is part of many different aspects of American lives at the time. And one of your areas of interest is in the material culture of religion. Do you have a favorite object or set of objects that will be in this exhibit? Well, they're all wonderful and they tell very different stories. Uh, the, the object and other objects from, from New England that I find uh, particularly uh, illuminating uh, of the way religion changes its role throughout American history is a church bell made by Paul Revere. Uh, Revere, of course, is known as a silversmith uh, before his famous midnight ride, but after the revolution, he became well-known as a church bell maker. And you would hear stories of pastors who would seek out and buy Revere's church bells as a sign of their patriotism. There's a pastor in New Hampshire who wrote in his journal that he could get a, a bell that sounded uh, more, uh, more harmonious uh, from Europe, but he wanted to show that he was supporting the new nation by buying a Paul Revere bell. This Revere bell we have in the exhibit was cast for a Unitarian church in Maine, uh, but then decades later it was moved to Massachusetts where it became a factory bell for a, a mill in Lowell, Massachusetts. So I, I love this object because it shows the ways that an object moves through history and has different purposes as communities change around it. Um, it's still a religious object, but throughout part of its life, it did not have a religious pur purpose. It was used uh, to call workers to, to factories. Uh, and so I find that kind of movement of an object through time just to be fascinating. It shows us how the concerns of communities change around it. Watching how these religious exhibits um, and or religious artifacts move through time and space, 
is that one of the ideas or understandings that you hope visitors to this exhibit will walk away knowing for the first time or in a new light? I hope that visitors walk away seeing that religion is not just one thing. Uh, it is not just uh, one community, first of all. I mean, I, it, visitors will come away with an understanding of early American religion as being far more diverse than they may have ever known. Uh, but moreover, it is not just something that happens in walled-off places in sanctuaries or churches. It is something that is an aspect of every part of, of many people's lives at this time. Uh, for example, another wonderful little object we have is a, is a children's alphabet book, um, which ch you teaches children to read uh, through Bible stories. Um, a is for Adam, B is for Balaam, um, naming different characters and showing different Bible stories based on the letter from the alphabet. And so while certainly many Americans um, in, er in the early period uh, were were not churchgoers, many of them were in fact rather indifferent to that type of religious participation, it was sufficiently enough part of their culture uh, that telling those stories is, is, is uh, another way of opening it up for visitors to see just the way in which religion shaped those lives. Turning for a moment to the larger Religion in America initiative, why did you feel that the time was ripe for these new kinds of conversation about the state of religion? in America. We've talked a little bit about how it, it doesn't just exist within the sacred spaces, it's inter integrated deeply into the fabric of our everyday culture, often I think more than a lot of people would expect. But why right now? Why 2016? Well, I, I, religion is, is so often the, the crux of many of the stories that we face just in the modern world. And trying to understand where these stories come from in our past is is an essential part of, of museum's mission, uh, to give some context for what we're experiencing now. And so, just put simply enough, I mean, religion should, cannot be ignored. Um, we cannot act as if it is, it is not out in the world shaping our experiences, shaping the lives of our, of our fellow Americans and, and people all around the world. It is an essential category with which to understand human experience and it, it makes sense to include it, uh, to make a real effort to include it in the stories we tell about American history. Now, I'm just curious, the Smithsonian Institution is federally funded. Um, is there any conversation going on about separation of church and state? There's not been a concern over separation of church and state here because we're not talking about uh, establishment of religion, we're talking about studying the history uh, of religion and its influence on, on American culture. And moreover, the history of religions, all of the religious exper expressions that have been part uh, of the American experience. Do you foresee any kind of a greater national conversation about that question of studying religions across the American experience in a national museum? Do you foresee that like the Enola Gay exhibit in the during the culture wars of the 90s, that this will become a new touchstone for conversations about what it means to be American and, and what role religion does or does not play? I think that we are joining a conversation that is ongoing. It's a, many Americans are religious in one, one way or the other, and so they certainly consider the role of religion in their own lives. And so it is entirely appropriate for the, the, the nation's history museum to engage in that same conversation. 
What sort of partnerships have you established with faith communities, either in Washington, D.C. or across the country? Well, again, this is a very new initiative, and so we are really just um, going public with it. We do have our, our public program at Plymouth Plantation coming up uh, in November, to which we have invited all of the local churches. And we really intend to have uh, churches and synagogues and, and, uh, and various other religious associations, of course, being, trying to be as inclusive as we can. Uh, and we intend to have a, a real outreach to, to many religious communities as we intend to uh, build on the national collection. One role that I have as a curator is not only to plan exhibits, exhibits with existing objects, but to be actively collecting objects from religious communities uh, that will one day be used to tell the history of religion in America now. So trying to anticipate what future generations will, will need or will look to when they're trying to make sense of the role of religion in the 21st century in America. Can you define the role of a museum curator for some of our listeners who may be unfamiliar with the term? A museum curator at a history museum um, does a number of things. Uh, first off, planning exhibits, that seems to be the most public way that a curator interacts with the public. Work, working with the collections, the Smithsonian has millions of objects in its collection going back more than a century. Working with those objects as well as objects which can be borrowed from other institutions and from individuals to try to present uh, history through material culture, try to present these tangible uh, elements with which a visitor can, can interact to feel a, a, a direct connection to history. So that's one role of the curator's work. Another is actually collecting objects, trying to decide what is happening right at this moment that can be uh, that can be expressed through material culture. What sorts of objects are relevant to right now, as we are living in 2016, that will be used 50, 100 years from now to make sense of, of who we were at this time? And the final component is uh, much like any scholar uh, doing uh, doing research, uh, writing books, um, trying to put uh, the present in historical context for as wide an audience as possible. And that's probably the real difference between uh, an academic historian or, or a scholar who teaches in a university. Uh, that our, our public is the public. It is the, the American public and the visitors to the museum from, who come from all over the country, trying to uh, put history in context for, for that audience. What are some of the ways that you're going to accomplish that, to put history in context, and particularly the history of religion in America, for visitors to the museum? Uh, are you going to be doing lectures, programs, museum theater, uh, more exhibits, publications? Um, how do you see meeting visitors where they are and, and talking about religion in the museum space? The Religion Initiative is made possible by a, a gift from the Lilly Endowment, and along with endowing a permanent curatorial position at the museum, they've also given us uh, five years of funding to put on uh, music and theater programs that will try to uh, engage uh, visitors by entertaining them as well. So to put on uh, experiences that, while the end goal and the, and the ultimate goal is conveying some sense of the role of religion in American history. It's also just to uh, give them permission to be entertained by it, <laughs> to to come into a very accessible and, and opening uh, 
open experience is, is the idea. So in addition to the, the Plymouth program, which we will speak about, um, in, in December we have a program on jazz and spirituality, I'm looking at the influence of religion on, on American jazz music, uh, put on by the Smithsonian Jazz Masterworks Orchestra, uh, that will, we think, be surprising to people. We, many people don't hear jazz music and think necessarily that it is a religious component to it, but in, in fact it has been influ a great influence on many jazz musicians throughout the uh, 20th century into the 21st. And so going forward into the next several years, we'll be looking for those types of experiences uh, that will invite people in who aren't necessarily those who think that they are interested in American religious history, but who will come away knowing that they are, that it is in fact part of their own history as well. Um, so you've mentioned before that Plymouth Plantation will be coming to the National Museum of American History uh, the first weekend in November, and we are coming to launch the new Sounds of Faith series with you as part of the Religion in American Initiative with a new innovative program we've entitled Waking the Ancestors, Recovering the Lost Sacred Sounds of Colonial America. How did this collaboration and program come about? Well, Plymouth Plantation is, of course, a Smithsonian affiliate, and so there is a, uh, a long relationship. And this is, as soon as we knew that we wanted to have a, a, a music program, uh, and, a, and as we built the idea that all of our program would look at the intersections between religious cultures within the American context, the connection to Plymouth Plantation uh, was, was obvious and, uh, and fortuitous that, uh, that you all were planning this program, and so it's a perfect fit to, to launch our Sounds of Faith series, and we're all very excited about it. What can audiences expect from Waking the Ancestors? Well, it is a, a program showing the intersection of two distinct religious cultures that are brought into contact by the arrival of Mayflower. Uh, the Anglican and Calvinist uh, religious traditions brought by uh, brought by the pilgrims, and the sacred song and dance of, of the Wampanoag Indians who, who were there and greeted them on, on their arrival. Uh, the story that we often hear about uh, the arrival of Christianity in America is simply one of displacement and conversion, but we often forget that there's a long history of interaction, uh, that the, the first century, at least, of the colonial experience is one of interaction rather than merely uh, replacement or, or driving one belief system out w with another. And so that is the, the experience that uh, visitors to the performance will, will hear um, in song form and in dance form. And it promises to be a, a really um, innovative way of, of teaching that history. Uh, when is the program during the day and is it open to the public? It is open to the public. There are two performances on uh, November 5th and 6th here at the National Museum of American History, our, our Warner Brothers Theater. And I believe the, the Saturday performance starts at 6, and the Sunday performance, I believe, starts at 2. And there are also performances throughout the day um, on the Sunday on the floor of the museum. Now, I'm, I'm curious to talk to you a little bit about your background and your professional journey to the Smithsonian. Um, you came to the institution, as I understand, as a fellow in 2013. What initially drew you to museum work rather than academic history, and uh, why the National Museum of American History? I've always loved museums. I've always loved material culture. Uh, in some ways, I, I uh, well, for years I've been writing about religion, um, but I've um, 
but I, I started out as someone who was thinking about religion, you know, as, as a, a teenager and then in college, um, and mainly because when I, was, when I was very young, I wanted to be Indiana Jones. I, I liked the idea of, of going out and getting my hands on, on objects. Uh, and that, that early desire, of course, matured and uh, became a, a desire to tell stories through objects. So very early on, I, I got my start at a place called the National Yiddish Book Center out in Western Massachusetts and uh, was presented or was first introduced to the idea of, of telling stories in a museum space through objects. And then uh, through the years, writing about religion in America, I always thought this is, this is the really the way that I wanted to go to tell, to, to find a material culture with which you could put a reader or uh, in direct contact with the past as I had always wanted to be myself. So in, in 2013, I was brought on as a fellow here at the museum to go through the collections and to see what was actually here at the museum uh, in terms of what, uh, what sorts of objects related to religion had previous curators collected. And so that began a, a um, conversation between myself and the museum that lasted, continued to, to to go on through the next couple of years. I then served as the guest curator for this upcoming exhibit and finally joined the staff as the, as the religious history curator uh, just last summer. And you mentioned you've written a number of books, both fiction and nonfiction, which explore the human religious experience. Um, in closing, do you feel that you are any closer to understanding religion and why it matters to people? Um, it, well, it continues to fascinate. I don't know if I can ever uh, come, come up with just a complete explanation. I suppose if I did, it, I, it may not hold as much interest for me. It, it remains uh, just something that is endlessly intriguing to me, about, uh, particularly about the American experience, how this great combination, uh, this great intersection of different ways of, of believing and not believing uh, can, can coexist, can, 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 you, can continue to coexist, sometimes with great volatility, but ultimately in a, in a really um, productive and creative way. Um, I find it fascinating and I'm, I'm honored that I'm able now to share some of that interest and fascination with the visitors to the museum. Dr. Peter Manso is the curator of American Religious History at the National Museum of American History. He is the guest curator of the upcoming Religion in Early America exhibit that it will open next summer in 2017, and one of the leaders of the uh, Religion in America initiative. You can learn more about the Smithsonian Institution at www.si.edu. And you can learn more about Waking the Ancestors, Recovering the Lost Sacred Sounds of Colonial America uh, by visiting our website at www.plymouth.org. Uh, Peter, thank you so much for being on the podcast. My real pleasure. Thank you.